Welcome back once again to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And it's wonderful to have this opportunity to come together each day right here on Search the Scriptures and open up God's Word, dig a little bit deeper, study a little bit more, and learn some more from those rich teachings and truths that God has provided for us in His Word. You know, so many people, they do not take advantage of the greatest piece of literature that ever has been or ever will be written, and that is the Bible. They just don't read it much. Now, most everybody has a Bible, or at least a New Testament in their possession, but so many people really do not use them. They sit on a shelf someplace, maybe in a closet with the door closed, or maybe in a bookcase somewhere. Maybe some people will display them on a coffee table or an end table someplace, but they hardly ever read the Bible. Now, many people think, you know, I tried that one time, I just don't understand it. Well, they probably don't know how to go about reading and understanding the tremendous information that God has provided for us in his word. So they don't. Maybe they tried to read a little bit and they were confused. They might have just opened it up someplace randomly and started reading. Well, that will lead to confusion. But if you could understand how to go about studying the Bible, then you can start to catch the tremendous excitement of what is communicated to us in it. The historical accounts, the wonderful promises and blessings, the way of salvation, the teachings about God, about our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about heaven, eternal life, and it goes on and on and on. We'd love to help you along that line. We want to help you learn the Bible better. Well, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And so if you are thinking, you know, I'd like to have stronger faith, you need to get into God's Word. Now again, we'll help you with that. If you'll simply contact us and ask us, we'll send you a free Bible study. We always offer this. It's always free, and we'll take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask. We'll give you the information at the end of the program today as to how you can contact us. Give you our address. We'll give you our phone number. We'll give you our email address. Talk about our website. You can go to there and contact us that way. Again, it's all free. And this is a tremendous study from God's Word that is easy to understand, that will help you learn about God, about Christ, about eternal life, about forgiveness, about salvation, about living the Christian life. Faith comes again by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And we want to help you come to God through his Son, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you learn about him, develop faith in him, confess your faith openly, repent of your sins, and surrender to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross is still absolutely effective to cleanse you of the guilt of all of your sins, as though they never happened. You get a do-over, a new start from a spiritual perspective. So have that piece of paper 
and the pencil or pen ready at the end of the program will give you that information. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. And again, we'll take care of the postage. At the end of the program today, we'll give you that information. Now, let's get back into this study that we have been kind of digging into over the last couple of programs. We're talking about love that fulfills and sustains marriage. And I've taken some time to lay out a crisis that is facing our society, our culture, and our nation right now. And it is a crisis that has been building in proportion for a long time now. And that is broken homes, incomplete homes. I made the point, I've tried to emphasize, I've tried to help you understand that the home is really at the basis of our culture. The home is where children are born into. And so the home is that place, that environment in which children are shaped and molded, taught, guided, instructed, given the examples of what a, an adult human being should be, what an adult citizen of this nation should be, what a man should be, what a woman should be, so that when they grow up, they naturally transition into those roles and can do so effectively and responsively and productively. But a tremendous and increasing percentage of our homes in this country today, and I say increasing, it's been increasing for a long time, are incomplete homes. They're broken homes. They're dysfunctional homes because there are missing parts a mother trying to raise her children without a husband. In some cases, a man trying to raise his children without a wife. And so the children grow up with, without either a father or a mother role model. One or the other is missing within their home life. And so they grow up not knowing, in the case of the young boy, what he's supposed to be as a man, as a father, as a husband. In the case of the young woman, she, young girl, she doesn't know what she's supposed to become as a woman, as a wife, as a mother. And both the young boy and the young girl, they don't know what to look for as their marriage partner because that's missing in their home. You see, they grow up handicapped as far as developmentally speaking is concerned. Now, they may have all of their faculties mentally. They may be great physical specimens, but they're incomplete in their training as to what they're supposed to become or look for as a husband or a wife or a father or a mother or even as a man or a woman. You see, the home is the incubator for all of that. It is the training ground for all of that. And so when we continue in our country to just foster the notion that you don't really have to have a husband and a wife, you might have a man and a woman living together, 
supposedly raising children together, but they're not married, and so they're not really committed to the point of being married, and so they've, already, they've left themselves an out that they can get out of that relationship as quickly as they want to if they ever come to the point where they decide to do that. They're not committed. Now, some would get angry, maybe fighting mad, to hear me say that or hear someone say that, but the fact is, if they were really committed, they'd get married. And the children suffer. So when the children grow up, incomplete in their training as to what they're supposed to become, then you see society suffers. And that includes they, they're not thinking the way they should as someone who's grown up in an intact nuclear home. By nuclear home, again, I'm talking about a complete home. Husband, wife, and I'm not talking about man and woman. I'm talking about husband, wife, mother, father, raising their children in that environment. And so the children grow up, they're handicapped in that part of their development. And so they have a difficult time taking the proper place wherein they'll ultimately establish an intact home themselves. The tendency is when they grow up in a single-parent home, they will establish a single-parent home themselves. And so society suffers, and as society suffers, then the culture suffers, and as the culture suffers, the nation becomes weaker. When you reach a point of critical mass, ultimately, you're talking about implosion, and you're talking about a culture and a nation just imploding upon itself. We get all concerned about military strength and potential enemies invading us. Let me tell you, you don't have to have any military enemies to destroy our own nation. If we just continue down this road, we'll do the destruction ourselves. And then some enemy nation can just walk in and take over because we'll have become that weak. What kind of love should be the basis for forming and sustaining a quality marriage? Again, I've made the point, lust is not love. Sex by itself is not love. It should be an expression of our love for one another as husband and wife because God created us as sexual beings as well as spiritual beings and physical beings and mental beings and emotional beings. But sex by itself is not love. And any marriage that is based primarily upon sex is almost certain, almost certain to fail. The beginning of the love that leads to a marriage is, in its beginning stages, it's motivated by emotion. How good that person looks. Are they cool? Are they sharp? sharp? Are they pretty? Are they handsome? and on and on. But then also, physical, not just physical appearance, but how do they behave? Is it impressive? Is it respectful? Do we share common interests? And then the list could go on. Now, that's an understandable starting point, but that love has to develop into something deeper and more profound in order to fulfill and sustain the marriage relationship 
on a lasting basis. And here's the, the basic principle that I laid out in our last program. A husband and wife need to love each other as God loves them. A husband and wife needs to love each other as God loves them. God's love for us is not based primarily on emotion. And a husband and a wife need to get past the point of their love for one another being basically based upon and driven by emotion. Now, if that's all there is, their marriage is almost certainly going to fail. So we need to love each other as God loves us. We're looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and as I pointed out, in the Greek language, and the New Testament was written in Greek originally, there are a number of different words that refer to love from different perspectives. The greatest, the most profound, the deepest of these expressions is the word agape. Agape. We don't really have, we don't have a, a, an equivalent translation for that word from the Greek into the English. We simply translate it love, but we use love, that word, to refer to all kinds of things that we find attractive or that we like. We can love one another. We can love husband and wife. We can love mama and daddy. We can love our children. <clears throat> and we can love the Kansas City Chiefs or the New York Yankees or the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the Michigan Wolverines. We can love chocolate cake and we can love green beans and we can love broccoli. Maybe not so much love broccoli, you know. <laughs> I, you know but you see what I'm talking about. We use the same word to refer to a whole lot of different attractions. But the, deep, the deepest, the most profound expression in the Greek language was agape, agape, agape love. And that is a love that is not based primarily upon and it is not driven primarily by emotion. It is a love that is by will. I love you. I don't love you. Okay, I still love you. I will love you whether you love me or not because I've made up my mind to love you. I'm determined to love you. My love for you is not based upon emotion. I love you. Now that kind of love has to be there a lot of times within a parent for their children when their children are really showing disrespect and really showing a lot of rebellion against their parents. The parents still love that child regardless of the obnoxious and seemingly unloving behavior by their children. The parent still loves that child. And that kind of depth of love needs to be there between husband and wife too because there are going to be some trying times within any marriage relationship. So agape love is not a lot of empty noise. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 again, Paul said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, and agape is the word that is translated love throughout this particular chapter, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, 
I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If all I am is outward show, then I'm just making noise. Love has to be at the basis. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, now that would all seem really impressive, wouldn't it? But he says, so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing, he says. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. He's saying love is not just a lot of noise. Love is not just a big show. God is not just an action-blessing God. Now, that is important because, as I pointed out, James says, and we've studied this a number of times in the past. In James chapter 2, James goes into tremendous detail pointing out how real faith is active, working faith. So God expects that from us, but his love for us is not basically based upon our works. God is not just an action-blessing God. He is an action-blessing God, but he's not just an action-blessing God. He is a motive-blessing God. So why are we living the spiritual life that we're trying to live? Is it just to impress somebody? Are we trying to impress God? Or do we love God so much that we simply want to serve him and live with him? So agape is not a lot of empty noise. It's not flamboyant or ostentatious. It is not just an outward show meant to impress people. Agape love is not based on the worthiness of the one who is loved, but it is based on the determination in the heart of the one doing the loving. We need that quality in our love between husband and wife. Agape love cannot be earned. It is freely given. It is unconditional. It quietly hangs in there and does what needs to be done no matter what. And, and this is a tough one. And I'll admit that I struggled with this in my understanding of what love between a husband and wife should be very early in my life. You don't fall in or fall out of agape love. This kind of love, this depth of love, This kind of profound love, you don't fall into it and you don't fall out of it. You make up your mind to love your husband or your wife, again, no matter what. That's the kind of love that will fulfill to the greatest degree and sustain, bring the greatest stability on an ongoing basis to a marriage. So that emotional beginning of the love that brings a man and a woman together and starts to lead them to the point of saying, I want to be your husband. I want to be your wife. I want us to be together forever. That emotional love that started that relationship should develop into this kind of love. 
that says, I will love you forever, no matter what. I will love you in spite of whatever might confront us. I will love you. I'm committed to you, dedicated to our love for one another. Now, this quality of determined love will richly fulfill and sustain your relationship as a husband and wife. And oh, how the husbands and wives in our country and around the world need to learn and grasp this lesson. We need to embody this kind of love between us in our relationships with each other. We need to be that kind of husband and wife. Now, the next several verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 gives us 16 qualities, 16 separate qualities of this kind of love, of agape love. 16. The first one, beginning in verse 1, says, Love suffers long. <laughs> I know. A whole lot of husbands and wives might be thinking, yeah, you got that right. I sure have suffered in this relationship for a long time. Well, put that kind of attitude out of your mind. Love suffers long. We're talking about protracted endurance, endurance on an ongoing basis. And sometimes it may have to be endured for a long time. Protracted endurance of wrong is technically what we're talking about, such as would provoke resentment in many cases, but you hang in there anyway. You try to be understanding anyway. That's what we're talking about by love suffers long. When we go back to Proverbs chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 10, and we look at verse 12, Proverbs was written by the wisest man on earth of his day, and perhaps to our day even, with the exception of Jesus Christ when he lived upon this earth. And so Solomon, he said, he who, or rather hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. It's easy for us to respond to wrong done to us or done before us. In a negative way, we can respond in kind if we're not, if we're not careful and we can make the matters worse. But when Paul says love suffers long, he's talking about that's an enduring love. Then no matter what comes and challenges it, no matter what comes before it, no matter what challenges it, no matter what threatens it, it still hangs in there. It is still determined because it is a determined love. Now your spouse may be going through a really bad time, your spouse may need some extra patience and understanding. That's what love suffers long is talking about. It may be a physical thing. It may be an emotional thing. But it may be something where he or she really, really needs you to be there no matter what, even in the face of they might think they don't want you to be there. But because you love them to this degree, you're going to be there. 
Our time is up for today, so we're going to come back and continue this next time as we get deeper into these scriptures, these 16 qualities of agape love. We hope to hear from you right away. We'll give you that information by which you can contact us, and we'd love to send you that free information, that free material for you to study. We hope to hear from you right away. <music>